Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about some leading indicators that might predict what will happen in the housing market three to six months from now. As we all know, there's a moratorium on evictions and foreclosures in most areas right now. In the U.S., the moratorium on foreclosures was extended again until at least the end of August. This is the second time the Federal Housing Finance Agency lengthened its moratorium, which it adopted in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. This move has the potential to impact millions of homeowners. The Federal Housing Finance Agency oversees government-sponsored enterprises like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, as well as 11 federal home loan banks. Together, these entities provide more than $6.4 trillion in aggregate funding for U.S. mortgage and financial institutions. Prior to the current crisis, loans in default were at record lows. According to Black Knight, a real estate data analytics company, the national delinquency rate fell by more than 5% in December, reaching its lowest recorded level since they began tracking data in the year 2000. The big debate is whether we'll face a period of real estate asset deflation before we experience large-scale inflation. We've had a tremendous amount of printing of money. So today we're going to look at the drivers that might be affecting the real estate markets. And the big question is what will happen in the credit markets. We have a 13.3% unemployment rate in the U.S. and 13.7% unemployment in Canada. For now, unemployment benefits remain in place, but they won't remain in place indefinitely. When will they start to disappear? When they start to disappear, we will start to see defaults in consumer credit, automotive credit, and eventually mortgage credit. The housing market will eventually be next. Mortgage balances rose in Q4 of 2019 to $9.56 trillion. That's a new record. But here's where the numbers start to get interesting. Only 15.9% of loans and forbearance made payments in June. That's a huge decrease down from 28% in May and 46% in April. These forbearance agreements are finite in duration. The question is what happens six months from now, or 12 months from now, when these forbearance agreements run out. More than 100 million auto loans and student loans have missed payments in the United States since the start of the pandemic. And as of the end of May, 4.3 million real estate loans were in default, an increase of 723,000 from the month before. More than 8% of U.S. mortgages were past due or in foreclosure. That compares with a normal mortgage default rate of 0.42%. There's now 4.3 million homeowners past due on their mortgages or in active foreclosure, including those in forbearance who have missed scheduled payments as part of their plans. That's up from 2 million at the end of March. On a percentage basis, that's 7.76% of mortgages in the U.S. in a distressed situation. The fact is, Almost none of these are on the market, thanks to the moratorium on foreclosures. As the amount of government bailout money dries up, the number of distressed homeowners will only increase. Over the span of five years, from 2008 to 2013, a total of 10 million people lost their homes in what was at the time the biggest distressed home market in history. Now, only a few months into the COVID-19 pandemic, we have leading indicators that suggest nearly half that number of homes are already distressed and could face foreclosure if the foreclosure ban were lifted today. The economic fallout on various industries has not played out yet. We have lots of people with traditionally good-paying jobs that have experienced significant income disruption. We're talking about airline pilots, dentists, dental hygienists, hotel staff, flight attendants, and firefighters, police officers, and physiotherapists. The list goes on and on. Now, airline pilots and flight attendants are obviously impacted by the pandemic. 
city employees like firefighters and police officers, it's less obvious. The problem is that cities are forced to balance their budgets, and most cities have experienced a 25% loss in revenue during the pandemic. As we reported last week, Nashville just passed a 34% property tax increase in order to try and make up the shortfall, and whether that truly solves their problem remains to be seen. Other cities have been forced to reduce staff significantly. There's a few hotspots where the delinquency rate is much higher. Mississippi, Louisiana, New York, New Jersey, and Florida all have delinquency rates above 10.5%. Mississippi's is close to 13%. You can expect there will be eventually a sharp increase in distressed inventory working its way through the system. The wild card in all this is what government will do to try and save homeowners. At what point will the bailout money dry up? We're in an election year in the U.S., and neither Republicans nor Democrats want to be seen as abandoning the population in a moment of need. So the bailout money will probably keep flowing at least until the election. But bailouts also breed dependence. And if printing money were the path to prosperity, then Venezuela and Zimbabwe would be the richest nations on earth, and clearly they're not. So while all the traditional real estate market indicators point to a strong real estate market in many cities, including low inventory, low interest rates, rising prices, and multiple offers, these conditions may be artificial and could be hiding a much different underlying condition. As you think about that, keep an eye out for new opportunities coming into the market. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.